the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Well, how about it? Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock and we're already rocking and or rolling on a Friday. And not just any kind of a Friday, but a free-for-all Friday! (laughs) The last broadcast of the 2022 calendar year. Oh, my goodness. And I could not be more excited. Actually, wow. Wow, what have I done to myself? I just... It just dawned on me. It's not my last broadcast of 2020. It's my last broadcast of Always Right Radio. But I am hosting the uh, Sebastian Gorka show this afternoon. Uh, so I do have another, <laughs> one more. One more in this horrific, no good, terrible year for the United States of America. One more for the people um, that have suffered so much. I just cannot wait to slam the door shut on this year and start fresh in 2023 for all of us. Goodness gracious. Um I forgot I added a show, so I'll be do, I'll be doing uh, Doctor Gorka's show this afternoon. I mean, I have Peter Kirshnow on, by the way, too. Uh, I like to bring Peter to the national audience whenever I can. You get him every week. You're spoiled. Spoiled you are. You're so spoiled. 
as a as a listening audience, you get Kersenow every single week for almost a full hour, uh, and that's a. And that's just my treat to you. And you are. You're spoiled. It's like I spoil my kids at Christmas time, too. It's, uh, I hope you understand. I hope you appreciate it. But the national audience doesn't get cursing out for an hour a week. The national audience doesn't get cursing out nearly enough. So they're going to get them today. So, yeah, I'll be uh, live uh, with Sebastian or, uh, I'm sorry, on the Sebastian Gorka show coming up at uh, 3 o'clock this afternoon. So uh, I do have two shows left. But for you and for our purposes, for our regular daily program, this is the last on the 30th morning, the penultimate morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Come 2023, we are going to like never look back. Not to the extent that, you know, the old adage about those who forget their history are condemned to repeat it. No, we'll look back on it with the horror that, <laughs> that it, uh, you know, that it brought. Um, we will look back at all of the terrible things that happened in 2022 that we are going to have to try to dig out from underneath in 2023. Uh, so we'll look back on it from that standpoint. But boy, oh boy, uh, we're going to really, really try to start fresh. Uh, come, well, technically come Sunday, more specifically for us, come uh, Tuesday, because we'll be off on Monday with the Best Of Show, uh, just to kind of uh, celebrate the actual federal holiday for New Year's Day on Sunday. So on Monday, we'll be best of. Tuesday, we'll be live and starting 2023 off with a bang. And I'm very much looking forward to that. But for today, we have a lot of important things to do. Coming up, uh, i got a couple of great guests. At uh, 1010 this morning, we're going to talk to a new incoming United States congressman. Representative-to-be Max Miller will join me at 1010 this morning. We're going to talk about his agenda, what he expects to see, what he hopes to see, what he plans to make happen when he is sworn in on Tuesday and starts work on Wednesday. Uh, we're gonna, I wanted to talk to Max actually the day before his uh, swearing in, which would have been Monday, but again, we're not live. So hey, Max is coming on at 1010 today to talk about what his agenda is and what that should be for the uh, uh, new Republican majority that is taking over the House. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And then at 1035, we'll do a little bit of a 2022 year in review with our regular Friday commentator, Christina Hagan. She's been with us for almost the entire year uh, with a few schedule conflicts uh, stopping her, but she's with us every Friday anyway. And uh, we've talked about uh, all of the top issues of the day. She gives us her thoughts, and uh, we're going to do that for the entire wrap of 2022, and again, with a preview of 2023. So Max Miller at 1010, Christina Hagen at 1035, and the most important guest of the day is you. Whenever you're ready, 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers is just as good as the other. So dial us up, and we will put you on the radio. Uh, before we get into the top news stories of the day, I will now ask you as the patriot that you are, Stan, face your flag. If you don't have one, uh, imagine one. But most importantly, work on getting one. Get a flag, an image somewhere. Put it on your screen. Put it on your uh, uh, on your dashboard. Do, do do whatever you can so that you can pledge your allegiance to the flag each and every day with us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. If you are satisfied with what twenty twenty two brought, you are most likely a Biden supporter, a socialist, and a Marxist because this entire year was an ode to misery for the American people, brought to us by your president and his party. As such you won't get much satisfaction out of pledging allegiance to a flag you don't believe in, so you are exempted from that request. Instead, go ahead and take a knee. While the rest of us say the pledge, you can take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. As for the rest of us. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic 
for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, thank you so much, Patriots. And for those who were on the knee, by the way, I guess I could probably also just say to you... You've just got to try harder not to suck. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, it just occurred to me, I might be even bringing back Random Soundbite Friday. <laughs> I I used to do, uh, in another lifetime, seemingly, it was years ago, I used to do uh, every Friday on my program uh, something called Random Soundbite Friday, and people would call in with requests, because I have a bank of hundreds of... Uh, sound bites that I like to go to. True uh, international depression. Yeah, uh, things like that, and Hillary and her cackle. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it, some of them can be painful, but some of them are just fun. Out! 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 Immediately out! Don't, I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. I don't care what you have to say. Out! As it is the last show of the year for me, uh, at least on this in this time slot, I may have a little fun with Random Soundbite Friday today. Um, but I do want to be serious, too. My lead story this morning is not going to be one of the typical ones as we continue to watch the uh, invasion at the southern border just rob this country of its sovereignty and of its security and, quite frankly, of its humanity. Uh, rather than going to the ongoing culture war and the battle over uh, this massive LGBTQ gender agenda uh, and the at- attack and assault on free speech, trying to get people to say things that are not true, that they do not believe in, all to please that agenda, the racial division, the political division. I'm going to go away from all of that for the lead story today. Did you know that come Sunday, on January 1st, you're going to be allowed to gamble on sports in the state of Ohio. You're going to be allowed to bet on anything and everything. This is something that um, has been in the works for a while. Uh, in the state of Ohio, we are the latest to basically say you can bet online or on things that are not necessarily specific to the casino downtown, the Jack Casino. Uh, I'll phrase it this way from the Cleveland.com article. Chess Grandmaster Ding Liren, the North Melbourne Football Club in Australia, and a days-long yacht race all have one thing in common. You can place bets on them in Ohio starting January 1st. Around the world, any sporting event that you can think of, you can place bets on in the state of Ohio. So what's going on behind the scenes when they set the odds for all these bets? Who is setting those odds, and why do they keep changing throughout the week? Well, that's something that, again, Cleveland.com tackled. Uh, and the the question here is not just about who's setting the odds. And the question isn't even about what are your odds of winning and whether or not they're fair, or whether or not you're going to get taken to, uh, taken to the cleaners if you decide to engage in sports betting legally. The real question here is whether or not um, people have the right to make their own minds up as to whether they whether or not they want to risk their paychecks, if they want to risk their kids' tuitions, if they want to risk their insurance payment, if they want to risk... I had this fight before the uh, casinos were approved in the state of Ohio, and I had a lot of very good, solid, conservative people telling me that I was out of my mind for supporting the casinos and the jobs that they could bring. And they might be right. Maybe I was out of my mind, but I believed then when it came to the casinos, what I believe now with the new sports betting, 
that a lot of people are hand-wringing and pearl-clutching over. I believe in personal accountability. I believe in personal responsibility. I believe people have the right to decide how they spend their entertainment dollars. For some people, their entertainment dollars go to Browns games, Indians games, Cavaliers games, Buckeyes games. Well, for me, since my son plays for them, Toledo Rockets games. For some people, they spend a lot of money, hundreds of dollars a weekend on tickets to high-priced sporting events. You know who complains about that? Nobody. Season tickets are thousands of dollars for professional sports clubs. Season tickets cost thousands of dollars. And no one complains that people buy season tickets to their favorite sporting events. Now, other people take their entertainment dollars and they spend them on vacations. Cruise lines, trips to Disney, if they're interested in having their children groomed by the woke Disney Corporation, uh, trips to national uh, national landmarks, big cities, parks, whatever, thousands of dollars. This is how people spend their entertainment money. And that money is money that could be used for other things in their daily lives or in their monthly budgets, but they choose to spend them on entertainment. No one says a word. But when somebody wants to spend their entertainment dollars betting on games, which add to the enjoyment and sometimes the heartbreak of the uh, you know uh, the outcome of the game, suddenly it's evil and it's got to be stopped. And this is going to lead to people uh, losing their houses, losing their mortgages, losing their mortgage payments, losing their their insurance, and so on and so forth because of betting addiction. And I would submit to you that's possible. It really is, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. But you know what? A lot of people get addicted to some of those other things that I just talked about as well. No one tells them they can't do it. So there is the fight is on again over whether or not gambling, whether it be pulling the uh, the slot machine, or actually most of the slot machines now are push button, aren't they? I don't gamble very. <laughs> I think I've been in the Jack Casino like three times since uh, they started out, and even. I think the first two times it was still called the horseshoe. How long has it been called the jack? I think it's been called the jack for, what, five years at least, minimum. I don't know, maybe more. I don't go. Because it's not my thing. And that's my point. I have a choice. I have a choice whether I want to go play blackjack and spend a few hundred dollars and lose it all or maybe even win a few bucks. I have a choice. I choose to go or I choose not to go in the same way that I choose to go or not to go to sporting events or other high-priced entertainment vehicles. I have personal uh, freedom, and I do indeed uh, expect and am happy to embrace personal accountability for myself. I'm curious as to why it is we can't expect that of everyone. Why it is that because some people might get out of control and might bet too much on sports games that you are now starting Sunday allowed to bet in Ohio and sporting events. Some people might get out of control and spend too much and go in the hole and actually put themselves in a bad position because some people might do that. We have to outlaw the the entertainment aspect of it for everybody else. Why? Do we or do we not believe in personal responsibility? Do we or do we not believe in liberty in the United States of America? Do we do or do we or do we not believe in it in in the state of Ohio? 
Like I said, I feel like this is deja vu all over again because I had some really, really interesting conversations with some very, very strong conservative people who fought very, very hard against the casinos in the state of Ohio years and years ago. And I'm about to have those fights again. I believe in personal liberty, and I believe in personal responsibility. And if you want to bet on games, whether they be professional games, whether they be uh, international affairs, whether it be World Cup stuff or or, t- or, or uh, tiddlywinks tournaments in in, uh, in 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 North Dakota, I don't care. If you want to bet on it, bet on it. You've got entertainment dollars. If you find that fun and entertaining, spend them. It's you. Just don't spend too much because same thing I would tell somebody, can you really afford brown season tickets? What's the cost of a brown season ticket these days? Uh, let me do a little check. Browns season ticket prices. Just do a little search here, just literally off the cuff. I haven't thought about this before, but I'm just doing it now. Browns ticket prices for 2022 season. Okay, here we go. So this is the one season that's just now closing. So this article is from, from before. Uh, prices are increasing. And let's see if we have a number. And unfortunately, like I said, I didn't plan this out. I'm just kind of uh, doing this off the cuff here. It doesn't show the amount. It just says that the tickets are going to be more expensive. Uh, single game pr- tickets will be variably priced. Season tickets. Yeah, I can't get a number here, but I, it's not cheap. And if somebody is working pay, pay, paycheck to paycheck and living paycheck to paycheck and barely making it work for them and for their families and they don't have disposable entertainment dollars, I would say to them, don't buy Cleveland Brown season tickets. I don't care how loud you can bark. I don't care how loud you can woof. I don't care how good you look in a dog mask and a Browns jersey. Don't buy season tickets. It's going to hurt your family. But you know what I wouldn't say to them? Let's get Brown season tickets banned. Because you can't handle that price. Nobody should be allowed to have that. Nobody should be allowed to have access to that. I would never do such a thing. That's against freedom. That's against liberty. So come Monday, or excuse me, Sunday, actually, literally and officially, on January 1st, you can bet on sports in the state of Ohio, and you can do it from anywhere. Not even, for, not even just from a casino. You can bet on sports in Ohio, and my response to that is, be smart about it. Be smart about it on how you spend your entertainment dollars. I hope you have fun. I hope you win. And if you don't win, I hope you can afford to lose. In the same way, I would say if you go to the Browns games and you didn't have the money to do so, well, I, I hope you uh, you can find your way. Uh, your thoughts are welcome on this and anything else on a free-for-all Friday. The last live broadcast of Always Right Radio in this time slot uh, of the calendar year. I say that again because I'll be hosting for Sebastian Gorka this afternoon. But it's our last one together of the 2022 calendar year. Join me at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110 right here. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five is the phone number to join us on this free for all Friday edition of Always Right Radio. Conrad is calling us from Middleburg Heights. Wants to get in on the gambling. Well, I shouldn't say that. Are you going to get in on gambling once it's legal on Sunday, Conrad? Um, actually, I don't gamble. That's a personal choice. Same here. But uh, my concern, my concern is that um, when the government allows people to take personal responsibility and gamble, you think that's good. But what happens then when some people, as you say, do go over the 
top and lose money and can't afford it and end up in trouble, and then the government bails them out. So I'm not against people taking personal responsibility, but I'm against the government enabling them to take personal responsibility when they can't afford to. Well, when you say bails them out, in what way are you talking about? Well, if you know, if they're going to end up on welfare or, or bankruptcy or something like that that ends up costing me money to take care of somebody else who gambled when he shouldn't have. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I get it. Um, I'm not I'm not for a welfare state either. Um, I, I am for, you know, uh, some some uh, mercy, I suppose, on some people who put themselves in difficult situations, whether it be from gambling or from other just extravagant lifestyle choices. You know how many people, uh, uh, you know, spend beyond their means, Conrad, who just cannot afford the, the you know, their house poor, if you will. Suddenly they can't make those mortgage payments anymore. Suddenly they declare and file chapter seven and, uh, they end up in the same situation you're talking about and their debts are protected and, um, uh, and you and I end up paying them, to, you know, in the form of higher rates to the banks who got burned on those loans. Um, so the government is always going to provide those opportunities for people to reset themselves and it doesn't have anything to do with gambling it's just living beyond your means and those kinds of things so until we're ready to wipe all of that out uh in terms of the welfare state and i don't think we are um i don't think the gambling changes that no i would i would agree with you it's just that i'm, I'm just saying that personal responsibility has to go both ways yeah no i agree it does and, say, and the, the real you're allowed to you're allowed to take a risk okay if i'm allowed to drive my car if if you say take personal responsibility don't wear a seatbelt if you don't want to okay fine but then you end up uh you know in a big accident then like you say my insurance health insurance is going to have to help pay for this guy's medical care because because he took personal responsibility and shoved it on me right well and especially if he didn't have his own insurance to pay for you know whatever whatever care that he needs in, in a situation like that uh thank you for the call conrad i appreciate it we'll talk more about this on the other side of the news on am 1420 the answer And stoking the fire of the American dream. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. All right, 936. Here's another beauty before I go back to the phones. And we are in free for all mode, so anything you want to talk about is fair game. I did bring up the gambling topic today uh, because this is what's going on in Ohio starting uh, Sunday that you are going to be allowed to gamble on sports uh, starting in, on Sunday in the state of Ohio. Ohio sports betting begins at midnight. January 1st, and that's when the first bettors can place wagers at more than two dozen sports books, BetMGM, Bet365, Caesars, FanDuel, joining those from 32 other states with the right to legally gamble in their own state and kicking off a New Year's party unlike any the state has ever seen. The New York Post reporting on Ohio here. There's been plenty of confusion leading up to Sunday's anticipated launch regarding uh, the sports books and when they open their doors, what bettors can gamble on. So there's just a ton of information here, and you can look it up and find it everywhere. But the bottom line is there is a debate as to whether or not this is a good move. Is it smart? Is it something that the people of Ohio should have supported? Uh, because people who gamble oftentimes get addicted to gambling, and people who get addicted to gambling oftentimes spend money that they don't have on gambling. And some people want it banned for that reason. And my response to you is what I gave you in the opening monologue. 
sorry, but personal responsibility trumps all. It does. Freedom cannot be restricted. Your freedom and mine to spend our entertainment dollars how we choose should not be affected or limited or restricted by somebody else's problems and by somebody else's, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, decisions, I guess. And I think we can apply that to a lot of other places. I want to go back to the phone calls on that in a moment, but... um, I just was chuckling at this one because you know how at the start of the new year, so many people make New Year's resolutions to get healthier. I made one already because uh, I, I need to lose weight. I need to get in better shape. I need to get, get better cardio and all the kinds of other things like a lot of people. You know, I'm a, I'm a middle age, finding that middle age spread a little bit. Uh, got to get some, you know, got to get some uh, discipline back, some things that maybe have been set aside. So I've made a New Year's resolution to do some healthier things, eating wise, exercise wise, uh, and and more. So I'm just like everybody else in that regard. But I'm here to tell you, you better be careful. Don't plan too much exercise for the new year, or else you will, of course, be a white supremacist. Did you did you know that that exercise and physical fitness is a sign of white supremacy? Goodness gracious, where do we go from here? Time.com, you know Time magazine? Time magazine just published a bizarre Q&A exploring an author's unorthodox attacks on the origins of fit, physical fitness and exercise. The author says that physical fitness and exercise are traits of white supremacy. The article is is entitled, The White Supremacist Origins of Exercise, and six other surprising facts about the history of U.S. physical fitness. And it provides uh, an attempt to describe the sinister origins behind everything from President Kennedy's fitness campaign in, in the early 1960s to simple running. The author is Natalia Melman Petzrella, or or something, and she wrote Fit Nation, a book that states in its synopsis that fitness is a social justice issue. <laughs> you can't you can't make this up anymore. What in roads are racist? Physical fitness is racist. Uh, uh, achievement in school is racist. It's all those are all testaments to white supremacy. And white nationalism. This is just amazing. The author reminds readers that until 1920, being fat was attractive. What would be considered today fat or bigger was actually desirable and actually uh, signified affluence, which is the polar opposite of today. At the turn of the 20th century, however, women were supposedly encouraged to exercise and gain strength because the powers that be decided they needed more white babies to counter immigration. This is part of the white supremacy project. Running... The author says, in time, was popularized by environmentalists. was not only never fair, but it was unsafe and discriminatory, you see. Access was never totally equal. If you lived in a neighborhood that didn't have safe streets or streets that were not well lit, women were catcalled, people of color were thought to be committing a crime, she said. So the idea that everybody can go run forgets that depending on where you live and the body that you live in, it can be a very different kind of exercise. This is the... You... You... You can't. I, I mean, honestly, you just can't. And oh, by the way, considering the overwhelming majority of people who are of color in America live in neighborhoods or centers or, or, or areas or communities 
of other people of color, if they feel like they are unsafe running in their own neighborhoods, who, whose problem is that? How is that a problem of white supremacy? How is that a problem in any way? Considering that the overwhelming majority of people live within uh, uh, neighborhoods and communities of their own like race, Hence, you have Chinatown. Hence, you have you know all of the the little uh, ethnic enclaves in in all over Northeast Ohio, and of course, pretty much in every state. And you have you know what are largely considered black urban centers. Uh, sometimes you have largely con- what are largely considered more wealthy, affluent suburban areas. Generally speaking, people live within you know their own uh, their own race race and ethnic backgrounds. If you can't go outside and run because you're afraid of being jumped. Don't blame that on somebody else. That's 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 a you problem, and that's a your neighborhood problem. But anyway, running is apparently racist. Running is apparently a social justice issue, and don't do too much of it in 2022, or else you will be called a white supremacist. Or 2023, you will be called a white supremacist. So there you go. There's, you can't you can't make this stuff up. Uh, but I'm going to bring it to you whenever I find it. Okay, let's go to the phones. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. John is in Shard and wants to get back to that gambling issue. John, good morning, sir. Hey, morning, Bob. Hey, first before we get into the gambling issue, you're talking about exercise and everything. Yeah. I think your friend Peter. I've talked to him enough. He knows what's going on in that department. He could set you up on a uh, program. Pete is a nut. And- Pete is a nut. <laughs> Pete is in his is is in his late sixties, and he runs and does an exercise regimen. That is for for a twenty two year old you know college athlete. Not kidding. Uh, he he puts yeah. himself through some of the most grueling workouts that he used to go through when he was a kid, and uh, his level of physical fitness is off the charts. But you know what he is? He's yeah. an anomaly. He is not. Yeah. <laughs> very few yeah. people are going to be able to do what Pete can do. But I have huge yeah. respect for Pete. Okay. Well, back to the betting thing. My dad. My dad was. A, I was in sales my whole life. My dad was the best salesman I ever knew. So he was successful, but he loved to gamble. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I went to the horse uh, to the racetrack with him a couple times, and I watched the, oh, his horse coming out of the gate, or tore its tail coming out of the gate, and it was done. Another time, his horse was in the lead, and the horse stumbled and fell, and he lost, you know. And uh, he, and he had his bookie, and he places bets on sporting events. And his bookie got into trouble, and he didn't have his bookie around. He wanted to bet with me. I said, you're crazy. I'm not betting any, anything on this stuff. And um, so, you know, so he was the uh, horrible example of what to not, not to do in these areas. And, and, he, and he'd admit that, you know. So, anyway. Well, you know, and I'm glad you brought it up because there are people like that. There's no question about it. There are people who can't do things in moderation. And thank you for the call, John, who can't do things in moderation, and they do it to extremes, and it causes problems for themselves and maybe even others. But you know what we cannot do is we cannot tell people that they can't engage in something when they can do it in moderation, simply because there are some people who can't. You know, I'll tie the gambling issue uh, as Ohio prepares to welcome sports gambling uh, on Sunday, in case you don't know what we're talking about. Sports betting is going to be legal in Ohio starting on Sunday, on January 1st. Actually, Saturday night, midnight, uh, when it flips, flips over to Sunday, it's now legal. 
And I'll, I'll tie this to the physical fitness story that I just talked about there. And I said, you know, most people around the start of the new year make a New Year's resolution. This is going to be the year I get healthy. This is the year gonna. Uh, this is the year I lose ten pounds, twenty pounds, or whatever. This is the year I do more physical fitness and uh, eat less and diet and so forth, so on and so forth, to make myself healthier. Super, fantastic. But you know what? Some people aren't going to do. They're not going to run. They're not going to go to the gym. They're not going to diet. And they're going to find themselves in the same bad habits that they've always been in. And they're going to eat themselves into very unhealthy states. And they're going to eat themselves into obesity. And they're going to eat themselves and not exercise themselves into medical problems. And you know who that's going to impact? Themselves. Maybe even their families. Because if somebody is in a state of um, disability let's say, and can't work anymore because of the uh, horrific, unhealthy lifestyle that they've chosen for themselves and gotten themselves into very, very bad places like this, then they can't work. If they can't work, they can't feed their families. But you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to ration food to people to make sure nobody else can do that. We're not going to give people food coupons and say, you're only allowed to spend this much money on food every week or every month for you and your household because we don't want you getting fat. We don't want you getting unfit and unhealthy and being unable to work and unable to provide for your family because some people do that. So we're going to ration everybody. We're going to limit everybody's freedom to eat what they want or drink what they want because some people are going to overdo it. And when they overdo it, it has bad consequences. You think, you think that's a, a free country? I might challenge the notion that that's freedom. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't tell people they cannot eat whatever they want because other people are going to overeat and thus put themselves in a very, very bad place. Same thing with gambling. I can't, you cannot tell me that I shouldn't be allowed to go down to the Jack Casino and put a few dollars on a poker table or a blackjack table or uh, on a card to swipe into the uh, slot machines and, and go and have some fun for a couple of hours, knowing that I'll probably lose what I brought, thinking maybe I won't. But there's a shot. You can't tell me I can't do that because another guy is going to go there and swipe that card, lose, and go put more money on that card and swipe that card and lose. And now they're mad. Now they're down $600, and I can't leave out of here down $600. i got to win some of that money back, and they go put a little bit more on it, and they go gamble a little bit more, and suddenly, hey, look at that. I won $200. Now I'm only down 4 and I'm going to keep going. I'm going to get all that money back. And then they go, and then, uh-oh, I lost again. Now I'm back down 6 I got to go back again. Now you understand the pattern. Some people can't stop themselves. They, they throw good money after bad. They're addicted. I get it. But you cannot and must not do the same thing uh, or, uh, you know, that we just talked about with the food and restrict somebody else's uh, rights or freedoms to go and have fun playing the slots or playing poker and, and gambling and having a good time with their entertainment dollars because some people are out of control. I will never, ever understand that mindset from people who call themselves conservatives. If you're conservative, you believe in freedom and you believe in personal responsibility and accountability. It's the same thing with the sports betting that's about to become legal on Sunday. You know, there are people, all right, I got, you know, uh, 50 on this, 100 on that, and then I got a parlay going here, and I don't even know the gambling terminology because I'm not a gambler, right? I'm defending gambling on principle here, not on personal choices because I don't gamble. But, you know, I've got, here, here's, here's an example. I've got a very, very good friend of mine from Miami, Florida, who told me 
uh, just uh, about a week and a half ago when I was down there in uh, uh, Boca Raton for the for the bowl game that my son uh, my son's team played in, and we were talking about he, he, at the start of the NFL season, the over under on Miami Dolphins wins was eight point five. So they've got to win nine games for him to win a few hundred bucks. Um, they were eight and three, I think. Then they lost one. Then they lost another. They've lost four of them ever since. They're now eight and seven, I think. He's got two more chances. They're on a four-game losing streak. He was he was counting his money on the on the over under on Miami Dolphins wins. He knew he was going to win because they already had eight wins. The, the, the number was eight 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 and a half. So it's got to be nine. And now there's a very and they lost their starting quarterback. There's a very good chance they could lose six in a row, and he loses his money. Now for uh, a guy um, who's just you know having fun betting on that, that's just like oh my gosh, and you know, you know the the hand wringing and the son of a gun. I can't believe I lost that money. But then it's over. For the addicted gambler, it's oh my gosh, I can't believe I got burned like that. What are the odds that that ever happens again? The gods, the gambling gods are with me now. I got to make that loss up, and I'm going to put uh, you know double down on this bet or that bet. Uh, you know, somebody makes a three-pointer at the end of a meaningless game that changes the outcome from a four-point win to a, uh, you know, a, 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 a seven-point win, and suddenly the, the game that was in the bag two seconds ago, now you lost because somebody hit a meaningless three-pointer as the buzzer expired or time expired? Uh, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just lost that on that. That's not fair. That's crap. Oh, my gosh, the games are fixed. I'm going to put money on another game to make that money back. Yes, people get addicted that way. Yes, people make terrible decisions. And yes, there are impacts on family members, but again, no different than people who outspend and overspend what their monthly budgets are on other things. Maybe it's movies. Maybe it's shows. Maybe it's traveling and it's vacations. Maybe it's houses. Maybe it's cars. Maybe you can only afford a $300 car payment every month, but you bought the truck that was five ninety nine a month. And you figure, I'll cut it out of the budget somewhere else. And guess what? Maybe it gets cut out of the grocery budget and the kids go a little bit hungrier. Maybe it gets cut out of the clothing budget. Yeah, you're going to have to do make do with, uh, with last year's winter coat. I don't care if it's a little bit small. Wear that one because I can't buy a new one because I bought the most expensive thing I could. People make choices with their money. And my friends, it's called freedom. And it's personal responsibility. Don't try to limit other people's freedoms because of your own personal weaknesses and i'm this is coming from a non-gambler this is coming from a non-gambler so this debate about whether or not sports betting in ohio starting on sunday is good or bad or should be allowed or should not be uh in my estimation it's a no-brainer but i welcome any thoughts on it 216-901-0945-888-281-1110 always right radio when you're sitting at the table there will be time enough for count when the dealing's done Okay, short segment here before the top of the hour. I got to hit this one too. Max Miller, by the way, going to join me after the top of the hour. Max Miller, incoming congressman as part of the GOP majority, expecting big things from him when he gets to Congress. Uh, he will, of course, be sworn in on Tuesday, and we're going to have a great conversation with him about what is on the top of his agenda when he gets into office. That conversation is coming up after the news. But I need to throw this, speaking of Congress. You know, uh, everybody's been talking about George Santos. George Santos is a newly also elected Republican member of Congress from New York who is just a great big liar. He lied about almost everything having to do with his education, to his work experience, to his ethnicity, and his religion. And everybody is mocking him, and mockery is certainly well-deserved here. But how about this? 
Representative Richie Torres, another Dem- uh, another New York representative who's a Democrat, is bringing forth legislation to punish candidates who lie to voters. And he's calling it the Santos Act. Santos, stop another non-truthful office seeker. <laughs> it's actually kind of funny, really. But what's funnier is that Democrats are just clutching their pearls at this Republican candidate, now uh, new congressman-elect. Um, they, they want to punish him. They want to mock him. They want to stop him. They want to, they want to drum him out of Congress. And not one of them introduced any legislation to punish people like, I don't know, Liz Warren, who lied about her uh, ethnicity, calling herself a Native American, for her entire public education and political career until she was busted by a DNA test. How, how come none of them have ever taken steps to hold the new president of the United States, Joe Biden, accountable for his myriad lies over the course of his entire political career? He's lied about his law school. He's lied about his degrees. He's lied about his place. He's lied about his achievements. He's lied, and then, of course, he has lied every single step of the way during his political, political, political career. I think this is one of the things, friends, that we can be proud of as conservatives, is that we will hold to account everybody who breaks rules and laws, not just those on the other side. I think George Santos is a pathetic, ridiculous liar who should not be in Congress. And he's a Republican. But I think the same thing of the Democrats. The Democrats only see it one way. Punish Republicans, defend their own. Maybe that makes them better than me. At least in terms of politics, because they know how to circle the wagons around their own. But from a standpoint of integrity and morality, I'll condemn both sides when they do this kind of thing. Max Miller will join me after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two now underway. Eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Friday. And once again, I will remind you that this is not just a regular Friday. This is a free-for-all Friday. (laughs) Mr. Scream in rare form on the second-to-last day of the calendar year 2022. Thank God we get past this horrific year. On Sunday, with the start of the new calendar year, we will not be live on Monday, by the way, as we celebrate the official federal holiday on Monday. We'll have a best-of show then. Then we're live on Tuesday. Tuesday's a special day for some more than others, including our next guest, because Tuesday he gets sworn in, and he takes office as the official elected representative of the newly drawn 7th Congressional House District here in the state of Ohio. And, of course, I speak of Max Miller, who joins us now. Max! Can you dig it? Yeah? I'm digging that, too. Max, congratulations. Uh, are you feeling any butterflies now just a few days away from actually taking the office you worked so hard to win? Thank you, Bob. I, I really appreciate that. And all, all credit goes to the people of the 7th. And, and I wouldn't say they're butterflies. Mm-hmm. I'd say we're ready for the moment. Uh, you know, the last, I'd say, six years in terms of working in the White House and you know, running for office over the last two has really prepared 
you know, us for this moment. It's not me, it's us. And I know that, you know, throughout the last month that I've been back and forth in D.C. and been back at home in the district, that not too much is going to phase us. I mean, remember, we've, we've been in front of these individuals. We're not intimidated by leadership. We're not intimidated by cabinet secretaries or the president, you know, of himself. We're here to do the work of the people. And Republicans have been good at running their mouths for a very long time. And we're actually going to put some action to those words. And I'm excited to get started uh, on January 3rd once we get sworn in. And we rip that gavel away and we take it back. And we really start, you know, what's going to be a new Republican generation, in my opinion, of leaders who aren't just going to talk the talk, but ones who are going to actually walk the walk. Wow. So much to follow up on there just in that opening statement. And I'm glad you gave it because uh, I, I, I love the, the, the attitude. Uh, we are going to finally do something instead of just run our mouths. Uh, and that's very, very, very important. Let me start with the follow up on the gavel remark. Um, there's a lot of questions as to whether or not there is going to be, you know, 218 uh, representatives who say, Kevin McCarthy, let's go. Let's get this thing started. Do you support Leader McCarthy right now? Or can you tell me whether or not you are looking at somebody else? How do you uh, how do you feel about it? Absolutely. I, I believe I feel the same way as many Republicans and as many people within the conference, although I'll speak for myself. Every Republican in this country, in the state of Ohio, thought we were going to get a massive red wave, pick up 30 to 40 seats in the House. Everyone resigned to the fact that Kevin McCarthy was going to be our next speaker. So much so, excuse me, that nobody launched a formidable challenge against him during that time, because they also resigned to the fact that we were you know, going to pick up a historic amount of seats. Well, unfortunately, that didn't happen, and we squeaked away with 222 seats within the House of Representatives on the Republican conference. No one launched a formidable challenge. There is no one still right now that has launched a formidable challenge against Kevin McCarthy. Now, should he receive the opportunity to become speaker and to back up his rhetoric with actual action and not words? I believe that we're left with no other choice in this moment in time. And I understand it's, it's kind of like where we are with the RNC, where we have, you know, Ronna McDaniel, and we have a huge part of our constituency within the country that do not want to see her be the next chairwoman of the RNC. But yet, no one launched a formidable challenge against her. And this is what happens when the Republican Party sometimes gets complacent and lazy, is that people rest on their own laurels and they don't work when they should. And I believe that is what happened with what we're going to see on January 3rd. And Kevin McCarthy will be the next Speaker of the House of Representatives because is great of a guy as Congressman Biggs is. He's the only one who has put himself out there to run against Leader McCarthy at this moment in time. And he will not receive the support that he needs in 218 votes to represent and be the leader of our caucus. So we are where we are today. What we have to focus on is how we can work with Leader and then Speaker McCarthy and drive home a hardcore conservative agenda that is going to do good for the American people and stop infighting. Because if there's one thing that we're really good at and one thing that I've seen that Republicans are better than Democrats at, it's that we always love to kill each other and infight with each other when we don't need to. And we just need to all move beyond this one day. And I believe it's probably not going to happen on the first ballot. And then we just need to you know, collect ourselves and move on with a good Republican agenda. And if we can do that as a team and we can get all the caucuses together, then we will do great work on behalf of the American people. But if we sit there on January 3rd and throw up people who are only going to prolong a process that no one has a serious challenge and that can take it home, then we're going to need to go home and look ourselves in the mirror and say, are we really addressing the priorities of the American people or aren't we? So I know that was pretty long-winded, but 
No, that's okay. There's a lot of important uh, stuff there. We're talking to Max Miller, who is the uh, congressman-elect for District 7, the newly drawn district. Um, Matt Gates is one of the more outspoken members of the uh, uh, conservative caucus, if you will, within the uh, within the uh, Republican uh, Party in the House. He wants Jim Jordan to, to be the speaker. Uh, Jordan doesn't, so I don't think that's an issue. Uh, I asked Jim Jordan that on Monday or Tuesday, beg your pardon, and he said literally, nope, I back Speaker McCarthy. I don't want anything to do with it. But since I'm talking about him, I'll ask you, and I may have asked you this in the past, and I think I remember what you said, but will you be joining the Freedom Caucus that Jim Jordan founded? Right now, I've decided not to join any caucus. Uh, and, and the way that I've weighed this is with the heart and the weight of the constituency and listening to where they want us to go and our trajectory. Mm-hmm. And so right now, it's not that I'm not going to join the House Freedom Caucus. It's that right now in this moment in time, we're not joining any caucus. Uh, we're going to let the constituency guide us into how we're going to move forward and really what committees that we're going to go after that's going to benefit them at the end of the day. Um, and so that's what we're going to do and we're going to assess. But there's one thing that I can say confidently, and it's one thing that when we talk again in a year and a couple of years from now, is that my voting record will be on par with the House Freedom Caucus. That's the concern that I don't have and that nobody should have within the 7th District. Max, um, we're talking to Max Miller, representative-elect uh, for District 7. Um, you know the White House because you served with President Trump for some time. You don't know Capitol Hill, at least to the extent that you know the White House. What's the learning curve going to be like? I mean, obviously having experience inside the Beltway and dealing with members of Congress in other capacities as an assistant to President Trump, you know, you're not a complete novice there, but it's different. Uh, what kind of What kind of learning curve do you expect? How quickly do you think you will hit the ground, as they say, running? Yeah, no, I, I mean, anyone who walks into any publicly elected position thinking they know exactly what they're walking into shouldn't hold that seat or any position that they're walking into. So there's going to be a steep learning curve here. But there's great people who are going to surround ourselves with and already have. You know, one of my mentors is Jim Banks. I think the world of Jim in a conservative mold, and I believe that he, you know, his rhetoric and how he balances his policy with how he presents himself to the public is a beautiful representation. And if I align myself with individuals like him, and allow them to educate me on some of the nuances and the processes and not get taken advantage of, to be clear, but to lean on good people because, believe it or not, Bob, some of these people are actually decent and they're actually good people that you want to surround yourself with. And if we do that, which we've already done, and to further add, we got head of steering committee within our freshman class, which means that 42 peers within our class of all Republican freshmen voted me to be responsible for their committee assignments. So it shows you a little bit of insight of how we're already working within Capitol Hill, how we're getting along with some individuals, and how they look at us in terms of leadership within the class to entrust us to make sure that they get on their committees so that they can return to Congress and they can do well for their constituency. And that's the progress that we've already made on the ground. And I'm proud to say that we won that race against three biggest delegations within our freshman class, a gentleman out of uh, New York, a gentleman out of Florida, and a gentleman out of Texas. And the sole individual from Ohio, which was myself, we won, uh, which should make every you know, constituent within the seventh very proud to know, you know, we already cracked our way into leadership and, you know, we're already doing the will of the people and we're going to continue to work even harder on day one to make sure that we get up to that learning curve. So we know the legal language of the law and that we can be effective on their behalf. So I'm excited to get started and to continue to educate myself on the processes. That is good news indeed uh, for everybody who's uh, looking forward to your representation there to be in leadership already. Great for you. Since you mentioned, quote-unquote, uh, a congressman, for I think you said a freshman from New York, i got to ask you about Santos. Everybody has an opinion on Santos. Uh, yeah, I, I walked excited. into that one, didn't I? 
<laughs> four, four, four Republicans flipped seats in deep blue New York, uh, which was an amazing thing. Unfortunately, one of them was Santos, and now we all know his story as a liar about literally his educational career, his, his uh, professional career, his ethnicity, and his, uh, uh, his uh, uh, religion. I mean, just about everything. Um, one Democrat... Uh, member of Congress, I talked about this before you came on, what was his name, has introduced a bill to punish people like him who lied on their way. Oh, it's um, um, Richie, Torres Richie Torres sponsoring the Santos Act, which stands for Stop Another Non-Truthful Office Seeker. <laughs> Listen, I hold people accountable. I don't care what party they're from if they do. I hold Elizabeth Warren accountable for her lies. I hold Joe Biden accountable for his lies. I hold uh, uh, Santos accountable for his lies. But you're in his class, and he's in your party. So what are you going to do? So this is where I'm a bit conflicted, um, but I'll break it down with my honest, directed assessment, which is, look, you said it yourself. Joe Biden lied about three degrees in a scholarship and being a visiting professor at Wharton. We have Senator Dick Blumenthal, who said that he was in Vietnam and was a combat veteran. We have Elizabeth Warren, who said she had Native American heritage. The list goes on and on and on. And then we have George Santos. And George is obviously an individual who's more than troubled that has, you know, uh, deceived his entire background and his way of life over what would seem the past couple of decades. My line is this, and this is what I stick with, and I was asked about this the other day. Just because the Democrats do it doesn't mean we should be playing devil's advocate, using them as the gold standard, making it okay. Now, I understand that you have Joe Biden and all these crazy liberals who have lied through and through and are complete phonies and facades of themselves. That's correct. But we as Republicans should be holding ourselves to a higher standard. I I kind of get sick of the rhetoric of where it's like, well, the Democrats get away with this, they get away with that. And so it should be okay for us. And we should accept this type of behavior within Congress on the Republican side of the conference. That I fundamentally disagree with. The standard should be if you're a liar and you have lied about all of these things and it seems as if, you know, there's some investigation into where the money came from ethically, then it needs to be looked into. And look, this gentleman should receive a fair trial. Everyone should perceive him as innocent until he has been proven guilty. The problem for him is he's already been proven guilty on a lot of these allegations. That have yeah, been he admitted his own guilt, right. Right. So, you know, at the end, once again, I don't you know, look at the Democrats and use them as the gold standard to say, well, you know, George should remain in Congress. You know, I fundamentally believe that this will sort itself out. And I, I personally, it makes me sick to a certain extent where, you know, maybe some people want to coax him along just so they can receive his support for a couple of weeks and then see what happens to him. Um, you know, I think there's a myriad of things that go into it. And this is politics at its worst. There's without question about that. And I think his integrity level is gone, and he will not be an effective member for his district um, or the conference. And and it's troubling, uh, but we need to let the investigation play out even more so than what he's already admitted in guilt. And I can tell you that whatever he is going to live through, if he decides to fight and stay in Congress, is going to be some of the worst pain that he brought on himself and deserves it, unfortunately, for him. So Right. Max Miller is my guest. He is a congressman-elect for District 7. He gets sworn in on uh, on uh, Tuesday, and he begins his work. Now, in my first question to you, your response, one of your responses was, um, it's time for the Republicans to stop with all of the big talk and start, uh, and start you know, acting. And obviously, you're going to have a slim majority, but there is going to be the majority. And that means on committees, you know, subpoena power. Uh, you can bring people in to testify about a host of things. When you say it's time to start acting, what are the top two or three agenda items that you want your party in its new majority to act on uh, when you get there, Max? Yeah, one, two, and three right now for me has everything to do with the border. 
uh, everything. I mean, I went for a Parma ride along a few months ago, and I saw a gentleman OD, and they needed three nasal Narcan and two IV. I mean, what what the southern border is doing to our country and eroding what we have in American history and and structural integrity, it's it's dissipating at a rapid rate and has been for two years as 300 people continue to die of fentanyl overdoses every single day. I will not stop talking about it. I will not stop bringing it up because it is rattling the cage of this country and no one seems to care, including the president of the United States. Uh, We need to shut down the border and move to a merit-based immigration system that probably won't be achievable until we get a Republican president in 24. But that being said, we can work towards that. We can work towards an H2C visa program with a cap that is going to allow people to come here legally, but not not into the hundreds of thousands or millions of people, individuals that need to be vetted, that they can join our labor force. We have all these illegal immigrants who are coming here without worker permits or without visas, and they're not contributing to our economy. We need to get those people out of our country and make sure that they come in the correct way in order to benefit what we have. Um, the other thing that no one seems to talk about is our military and how we're down over 30% in recruitment, except for the one branch of the Marine Corps. You know, it, it scares the living daylights out of me as China continues to mobilize. And as we see this nasty war over in Europe, that we continue to just, once again, another piece of this country just continue to erode and dissipate. These are things that we really need to be focusing on and not you know, sweep them underneath the rug because we will be back at war. Make no mistake. This country is always at war every 10 to 20 years, like clockwork. And if we're not in a position to protect ourselves and to be the number one superpower, which I believe that we're not anymore and that China's overtaken us, then it's going to be a horrific day in American history. And these are great things that we talk about, but we need to make sure that this country is always operating at 100%. And it's really sad to see what Joe Biden has done to us in just a short two years. In that answer, you have already spoken more about the problems on the border that Kamala Harris has in two years as borders are, by the way, just saying. Uh, and, and you and you have spent more time down there actually seeing things up close and personal, too, than she has. And this is uh, very, very important. Last question for you, Max Miller. Uh, this one has to do with January 6th, but not about the events of that day, but about the two years since that day. I just had lunch two days ago with three very good friends representing different organizations who were all very, very concerned about the fu- the plight of the January 6th detainees, the political prisoners, if you will. We're all sitting here just dumbfounded at how, um, you know, the right to a speedy trial could, for, I mean, we're talking about, Rights guaranteed any person accused, uh, according to the Constitution, that have been denied. Uh, the stories of their treatment have been just incredible, uh, stomach churning. Uh, the things that they are going through, and so many of them uh, are being held with a, you know without opportunity to see anybody else. They're being denied access to their attorneys, and as I say, of course, to the speedy trial. I've been trying to talk to members of Congress the best I can to say, what are we doing about this? And nobody is saying to excuse, if you will, the actions of those, particularly those who committed anything violent or anything having to do with vandalism on that day. Of course, there should be... You know, punishments that fit the crime. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about let them have their day in court and get that punishment on the way. Uh, and some people who didn't do any of those things have still been held as well. So is there anything you can say about as you go on your way in that will let us know that, that members of the new Republican majority are going to do something about the rights of innocent Americans? And when I say innocent, in the eyes of the law, they sit in that jail cell those jail cells, innocent, until proven guilty in a court of law. All they want is their day in court, and they're not getting it. Um, anything you can say about the plight of those uh, those detainees? 
Yeah, and as, as somebody who, you know, in, in, in my words and in my opinion, was a victim of the unselect committee who received the subpoena with four black uh, SUVs showing up to my home and four U.S. Marshals. And what I encourage everyone to do is read the depositions that are coming out right now. I encourage you to read my deposition. I do. It'll give you insight. On, on, and, and Bob, I mean, from that deposition, and, and I'll answer your question very directly, but from that deposition, I'm hoping that what you've gathered is they weren't after the truth. They didn't ask me, you know, who did I coordinate with outside organizations in order to overthrow the federal government? There was nothing like that. They asked me if the deep state was real. Adam Kinzinger called the opposing counsel the prosecution because his mind was already made up. I mean, they were asking questions that had absolutely nothing to do with January 6th. So if you're going to find someone who's going to go there on January 3rd and be a voice for the, for the prisoners there and see what we can do legally in order to give them a speedy trial, which they haven't had, uh, really to find the, the ultimate outcome, then I'm going to do everything I can uh, within legal power that, that I can look into to help these individuals because people have been wronged. And it's not only these individuals lives who have been ruined by this government, who this is political persecution at its finest. If they say anything else, they are wrong. It's exactly what it is. They have had these individuals cooped up there for two years in conditions that are worse than Guantanamo Bay. Exactly. Uh, and everyone knows it. But no one even talks about it because no one wants to touch it because too many people are afraid. What I'm telling you is I'm not afraid to talk about the issue and to touch on it, but I actually need to find out what we can do legally in order to move these individuals and to give them a speedier trial. Uh, and I would want to take a look at the individual cases and see what the charges are against them. And that's what I would want to see. I mean, what I don't understand is that should be minimum. Look. I mean, that should be that should be what is that is but, guaranteed by the Constitution of anybody accused of anything. Um, and and Max, I, I guess because uh, we're a little short on time here, I want to finish it with this: um, the leader of a very sizable Ohio membership of a conservative organization has sent a letter to Congressman Jordan, and I'm going to follow up with him to see if he has received it and can respond to it. But requesting that committee chairs like Congressman Jordan is going to be in charge of judiciary can actually call to testify some of the accused, get them out of their cells and get them before Congress and testify not to what happened that day. We're not talking about trying their actions that day, but what is happening to them, the treatment they are receiving in their uh, in their confinement, in their cells, whether they be prison or, or jail cells that they've been held in for two years now. Do you think that's possible? Yeah, I mean, I do think that's possible. I would want to talk to Jim to make sure that that's something that, you know, he would want to do and that's something that's supported uh, and looking at the legality of it. I mean, remember, I'm the new kid in school. There's a lot I, I, I need to learn yeah. here before I can uh, speak, you know, Understood. very directly and concretely. But but what I will say is, uh, you know, we saw the other day that the January 6th committee, you know, dropped their subpoena on, on President Trump to go ahead and testify and to bring, you know, criminal charges. Well, if this entire committee was supposed to be about putting President Trump behind bars and locking him away so he never runs for president again, and it's all his fault, how did these other people get charged? In all seriousness, if you're, you're trying to hang everything on one person and then you're looking at the rest of the body of the work, you're sweeping everything under the rug. Your entire case is a moot point, in my opinion. You did all of this to go after one individual. You were unsuccessful. So yet you go after the people that you can hurt and that you can inflict pain upon. And that is what Joe Biden and this administration has done from start to finish, is that they pick on the little guy. The 80,000 IRS agents that are coming out, and you know, that hopefully we can go ahead and use the power of the purse and get rid of the majority of them and all of them, which would be the ideal world. But those individuals, they're not coming to mess with the billionaires and the millionaires. That's what Joe Biden and this administration tells you that they're going to go after. No, they're coming after the little guy. This administration continuously 
picks on people who they can inflict pain upon and get away with it. And that's what they've done with January 6th with the political prisoners. That's what they're doing with the IRS. And that's what they're doing with every regulatory agency within our country right now. And it's been since he's been sworn into office all the way up until today. And the recklessness is finally going to come to an end when we can drag these individuals up to Capitol Hill through our subpoena channels and make them answer the questions. And so the American people can know exactly what's going on behind closed doors. Max Miller, I appreciate that very much. I know that's a tough thing to talk about right now, but uh, there are a lot of us who are just extraordinarily concerned. If they can do this to any American citizens the way that they are, then they can do it to every American citizen. This must be fought. This must be stopped. And I think the best way to do that is within uh, the new Republican majority in the Congress. Max Miller, thank you so much for the time. Congratulations again on the win. I, I, I know you're going to be, it's going to be a very emotional time for you when you were sworn in. And I know you are going to hit the ground running to the very best of your ability. Uh, and I hope we can stay in touch and, uh, and, and make sure that we're communicating with your constituents and the rest of uh, uh, Ohio's voters uh, who are very, very proud to have you there. Absolutely. Thank you, Bob, and thank you for your time. Thank you, Max. That's Max Miller. It's 1030. We'll take our time out here and come back with Christina Hagan on AM 1420, The Answer. the darkness of tyranny always right radio with bob france and the answer 37 minutes past the hour and we continue on this friday edition of always right radio on am 1420 the answer don't forget uh we're not done uh when we're done with hour number three today i will be back for one final run at 2022 at three o'clock i'll be hosting for sebastian gorka nationwide and coast to coast looking forward to uh talking to other people about 2022 and the prospects of 2023 but right now i want to get the opinion and the view uh from our regular friday commentator she's been with us for almost the entire uh year of 2022 uh, for the second really straight year of course with various scheduling conflicts we haven't had her every single week but she's been our most uh reliable uh, friday contributor and she is a former ohio state representative and current member of the ohio elections commission christina hagan back with us one more time as we wrap up this year good morning christina how are you Good morning, Bob. I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks very much. You want to know why I'm doing great? Yeah. Because this, this year's almost over. Three more days. <laughs> uh, well, two more days, really. Uh, and, and then I'm going to be very, very happy because I cannot wait to uh, kick this year in the rear end on its way out the door and start fresh because this has been one god-awful year for, a, for, the, for the American people, I believe, for a variety of reasons. Now, I've spent the last four days on the airwaves talking about that and talking about what I'm looking forward to in 2023 instead. Now I need you to do it. Maybe you'll have a little bit of a brighter, more optimistic view of things that I've been painting for people. Christina Hagen, tell me about 2022 as you see it now that it's on its way out the door. Highs, lows, uh, a myriad of both. Yeah, Bob, I mean, I've always been a glass, glass half full type of gal. Um, but I've got to tell you, when I was thinking through and jotting down just what I could bring to memory quickly, um, it seems that you are on the right track, that the, the lows far outnumber the highs, unfortunately, for better or for worse. This has been um, a historically depressing year. However, we've had some monumental victories that I think um, I could have only dreamt of in my time in service and just dedication as a Christian, as a mother, as a woman in this country, so I would 
be remiss if I did not mention the historic and monumental fall of Roe v. Wade. This is empowerment uh, for our country, the restoration of states' rights, the opportunities, the opportunity for us to take the battle to the states where it ultimately has always belonged and to fight uh, for one of the greatest human rights issues of our time. So that unquestionably made 2022 a hallmark year for me. Um, however, you know, the list of highs is relatively low. I mean, we took back the House just barely. Um, we did see, you know, complete domination by DeSantis in Florida with his right-headed policies, which gives us hope that a purple state can be a red state where we have leaders with conviction and direction. Um, the fact that billionaire Elon Musk um, stepped up in a big way purchasing Twitter, uh, exposing the big tech. Uh, big tech giants role in interfering with the election, which we all knew, um, you know, the elephant in the room is now exposed. And we have the opportunity to move into 2023 in spite of historic soaring gas prices and grocery prices, unprecedented levels of illegal immigration. Um, really, what I see on a day-to-day basis as cultural depravity that I've, at levels I've never witnessed, um, the border crisis of the all-time high, Biden pledging to hire more dreamers um, and having to be pulled to the line by people like Jim Jordan to, hey, how about instead we talk about hiring Americans and getting Americans to work? Um, the fact that we did not really curb inflation, but we watch uh, groceries and pricing on all fronts continue to soar for Americans. Mm-hmm. And then worse, the level of social welfare that we're currently witnessing with able-bodied Americans in our country. Um, the fact that we did not capture both chambers of Congress when we should have easily, handedly won both chambers in the economic crisis state that we are in, the moral issue state that we are in as a country, the fact that we didn't take the Senate um, makes it harder and harder to believe that we could ever recapture the Senate when the enemy is within and fighting the good candidates in the primaries, making it impossible to win the generals. And we um, see what we see in the United States Senate. That does make it difficult to be optimistic about the future of that chamber. Um, and then Ohio, I mean, locally, not having masks in place. I may have very well, as a patriotic and committed American, run for Congress um, with the experience and the desire to help our country move forward. Um, but not knowing what the maps actually were going to be on multiple accounts deterred people like me who have minimal means to run a race of that magnitude from engaging in the process. Um, COVID policies lingering yet from last year um, had dramatically impacted our educational process in the state. Uh, we see high levels of recidivism, or I apologize, not recidivism, but we see high levels of remediation. Students that are not learning, are not up to speed, are absent, Um, aren't present in schools. These are all problems. And then worst of all, I think America's inability to hold the upper hand on the world stage in the midst of evil tyrants taking the lead and conducting the move. The fact that Putin is where Putin is and the fact that China is where China is and Biden is on vacation having omnibus bills flown to him tells us that we are not in the position of authority that we need to be in for American safety and security. Now, I promised a little bit of optimism here. I was just going to say, you've covered thoroughly that top half of the glass that is empty. Now give me that yes. bottom half that is full, since you said you're, a, you're, generally speaking, a glass half full girl. Give me that part. I am. I am. So that's what makes it so disturbing. 
Um, but I think the fact that the Twitter files have been exposed are being brought to light. Um, investigation into that is very possible and underway. Um, the fact that we have heroes like Jim Jordan um, and the GOP generally alongside him demanding answers. Um, the hope that we can protect and respect the First Amendment being there with the House alone, we have a little glimmer of hope. Um, investigating and effectively exposing the collusion and corruption at all levels, but most importantly with the federal government and big tech's um, heavy-handed interruption of our election processes. I think we need to be focused on opening Americans' eyes on many fronts, FBI, DOJ, Twitter files, the border crisis, assault on children's identity, the bottom yard of education, and the excessive spending. Um, But again, this will take the same millennials who are not trending conservative to open their eyes and see the demise of the country. Um, We do have the authority with the House to block spending. Um, We could, you know, by a miracle, see Democrats, you know, we've watched um, some in the Senate and some like Tulsi Gabbard who recognize that the party has lost their minds and that they need to be more independent, neutral, and even leaning our direction. Maybe there's a glimmer of hope for a welfare to work like we saw in the 90s, maybe, just maybe, if the Democrats want to hold on to a serious presidential candidate, something like that might be a possibility. I'm not holding my breath, but there is hope. Um, The disbanding of the disinformation governance board and ultimately empowering parents and students with educational freedom and choice in Ohio and elsewhere. I think we have some golden opportunities if only we set out to achieve them and we don't back down. Christina, um, I had a slight glitch where you disappeared for a moment or two in that. Um, I, I, I may have missed it, and I hope I didn't. Um, but when we talk about the glass half full side of 2023, um, did you did you mention or did you bypass a certain Supreme Court decision? The glass half full? No, I started, I left with the high of Roe. Are you speaking about... I'm speaking specifically the of the Dobbs of- decision, yeah, and and, yeah. and then I wanted to tie that to one of the other lows, which is the fact that that was um, leaked um, about, what, two months, three months or whatever before the actual uh, opinion was given. So we had one of the highest of highs in Roe, and then we had, to me, or Dobbs, I guess, technically. The lowest um, of lows. And one of the lowest death. of lows is the extraordinary level of violence and threats uh, on the lives of Supreme Court justices because of something that we still don't have an answer to. And this is the reason I wanted to make sure I, I heard you correctly. Uh, and um, nobody's looking anymore. I haven't heard a word from Capitol Police. I haven't heard a word from anybody uh, in Washington, any investigations or anything else at the Supreme Court to find out who leaked that draft opinion months before it actually came out, allowing the left to organize, allowing them to raise their anger and their ire and to plan. And obviously, it led to an attempt on the life of, uh, of uh, Justice Kavanaugh. Um, and, and of course, the doxing of Supreme Court justices' homes and, and all of the other things we've seen. I, I'm still waiting for justice to be done on that half of the Dobbs, uh, Dobbs decision and the Roe, uh, the Roe reversal. Yeah, and thankfully, you know, you and I can rest assured that we have a great friend and ally in Congressman Jim Jordan who won't rest, who won't sit back. He'll continue to prod the court on this investigation. And I believe he's the type of fighter that will get us answers. Um, I, we can't promise that the media will cover it, but that's our job to continue to expose and put this information out on every front. 
But I do believe that heroes like Jim Jordan will not relent when it comes to exposing this type of weakness and assault on our courts and our justices. And I hope um, I hope he can do something about that with you know, and also um, Comer with the Oversight Committee and others because we need to we need to get the bottom of that. And I cannot believe that the media, well, yes, I can, is not you know still foaming at the mouth over this. They, they should be absolutely demanding uh, investigations and to get the bottom of that. That was one of the most egregious leaks in the history of 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 I think our federal government for crying out loud. No matter what the branch is, uh, and and the damage was was devastating. And I think the damage continues, quite frankly, until. Uh, there's going to be justice on that front. So, uh, so Christina, let's look forward a little bit more to 2023. Um, we, we can look at the border. I don't see any reason for optimism. I don't see anything changing. They're going to demand amnesty for every illegal who is already here before they even think about doing something to control the flow. That's part of what they call comprehensive immigration reform. I don't see any changes to the energy. The gas buddy experts who make these predictions uh, think that gas is going to be back up to over 4 bucks a gallon by May. So this slight decrease that we have seen in the last couple of months in energy costs I think is, a, is an illusion. It's not something that's going to last. I don't think uh, uh, the welfare nation is going to end anytime soon. We're still going to have worker shortages. Um, is there is there something that you can point to that says, it, for me, it's just the fact that it's flipping over the calendar year. It's a new year, so I'm just going to try to go into it with optimistic <laughs> eyes. But when I when I drill down, I look at this, 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 and this, and I see that ain't changing, that ain't changing, that ain't changing either. So can you give me anything there? Um, you know, you're right. There's not a lot to be excited about. However, it is a new year. A new year. We'll have new days ahead of us. We can personally make the decision to be better in every way in our local communities. Um, I would say, you know, again, I would revisit the state level issue in Ohio. We have the opportunity to push for school and ed choice. We have the opportunity for the backpack program. We have the opportunity to give kids a fighting chance in our state. And those types of things should be advocated for and pressed on hard um, from the very local level all the way to the top until we see opportunities. Um, I also will say um, that I've been reading and hearing a lot about the fact that college education or college diploma is no longer being required on many fronts for hire. Um, I think we've got this unique moment of transformation, not because there isn't still um, an incessant love with academia and needing to force high levels of debt on average Americans um, for a degree that may or may not make a difference in their workplace um, placement. But there is this opportunity to reshape how we as Americans um, control the workforce. And the fact that people that don't have degrees are able to compete is both um, promising but also sobering because the reality is the degrees must not be meaning much um, if you can just hire somebody that you can train to do the job. But at the same time, at least people can get into the workforce without having excessive levels of debt. So I see um, an opportunistic flair there for people to have less debt in their future and more opportunity. Um, And sadly, it's not because it should be that way. It's because Americans are being subsidized to not go back to work. So this is where employers are. But I think there is a golden moment to transform the way we hire and place workers and the way we create merit in the system of their careers and moving forward with their lives. 
Christina Hagen giving us the lows, the bad, the empty, the half full, uh, laying it all out for us. Uh, it, it was a very, very interesting year. It was one of the worst, I think, in my lifetime. Everybody has a different length of lifetime, but for me, 2022 cannot get out the door fast enough. And as you said, Chris, Christina, you know, it's a new day. It's a new year. It gives us new opportunities. While we might actually look at all of these things very critically and, and be worried that nothing is going to change, there is always hope where there is a tomorrow. Uh, and that's what we're going to have to go forward with right now and hopefully make our own good fortune out of that uh, which we have suffered so, so long. Uh, Christina Higgin, it's been a pleasure having you all year long. I hope we can continue this weekly conversation going into 2023. Can you commit? I I would be glad to make that a promise for 2023. We at least have that to look forward to, Bob. I will give you some time off for your maternity. Just you know, oh, just because so I'm a great. I'm a generous I'm a generous host who doesn't pay you for your time anyway. So I'm I'm willing to give you paid time off for when you have your baby, and then we'll catch I, up with you again on the other side of that. All right. Absolutely. All right. Great. Thank, Thank you, you, Christina so Hagen. God bless. Appreciate you. Ten fifty three. Quick time out. Always right. Radio AM fourteen twenty. The answer. All right, 1057, as we continue on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. We're guest-free the rest of the way, so I'm going to spend the last hour of the broadcast asking you the traditional question on radio shows at this time of the year. Have you, will you, make a resolution? What are you planning for 2023? What are you committing to? I'm boring. I've told you mine already. It's what everybody else often does. Need to get healthier. Plan to lose the weight that I had planned to lose when I made a resolution. I actually didn't do one last year. It was one of those where you ever have those feelings when the calendar's about turning and you say, I'm not making any resolutions. I'm just going to break it anyway. That was me last year. I just was like, eh. Because, you know, you don't, if you don't do anything to hold yourself accountable, you're always going to end up, you know, breaking your own resolution, whether it's health, whether it's to get that new job, whether it's to uh, finish that remodeling project, whether it's to restore that old car, whatever your plan is for your resolution in the in the coming year, if you don't hold yourself accountable in some way, shape, or form, then you're you're going to fall short of it, and you're going to end up ignoring it. And I speak from experience on this. So I didn't do it last year, but this year I did because I literally didn't have anything to hold myself accountable to last year, and uh, it was not a great year from that standpoint. Um, so I'm curious, are you doing something in 2023 to improve your life, a resolution to make your life or your family's life or whatever it is uh, better? Because um, I hope we are doing that. I, it can't get much worse. I've been talking all week long about 2022 and all of the problems that we have uh, endured, and we can't control many of them. We could have controlled some of them if we'd have brought the red wave, the red, the red tsunami about last month, but we didn't. And so now what can we control? Not a ton, except our own lives. What can we control about our own lives? What kinds of ideas do you have? So if you're making a resolution, let's share them with one another. Maybe it'll inspire other people to do the same thing. I told you mine. I've got a weight plan. I've got a strength plan. I've got a cardio plan that I intend to start literally on January 2nd, on Monday. Uh, and uh, and I'm going to do my best to hold myself accountable. And I hope you are, too. I'm going to talk about uh, your plans for 2023 or your predictions for 2023. We're wide open. The last hour of the program is yours at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Always Right Radio, right back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by... 
keeping Medicare simple and the floor king. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three, our final hour of Always Right Radio in the calendar year 2022. How about it? Good Friday to you. Better yet, good free-for-all Friday to you. I'm excited about that. So is Mr. Scream. How about you, Mrs. Scream? Awesome. Good to hear from you. Okay. One more. Amen. And welcome. Uh, Wow, I'm glad. I'm really, really glad. Now. I said it's the last hour of Always Right Radio. It's not the last hour that you will hear from me today. If you listen in the afternoon to Dr. Gorka, uh, you will hear me this afternoon sitting in for Dr. G as he uh, takes this uh, little early break uh, for the holiday weekend. And uh, I'm very happy to be doing that. So uh, you'll catch me at 3 o'clock. We're going to talk to Peter Kirsten now. I'm going to bring him to the national audience. We get him. You're lucky. I said this in the top of the show. You're spoiled. You get Kirsten out for almost an hour every week on this program with me on Tuesdays. The rest of the country doesn't get the brilliance of Peter Kirsten now very often. So we're going to bring him to the national audience uh, coming up this afternoon. So I'll be on for Dr. G at 3 o'clock. If you are still having the radio on, I hope you leave it on. AM 1420, The Answer. Last hour of the broadcast this morning uh, is going to be uh, kind of yours. It's a free-for-all, so whatever you want to do is 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Are you setting or uh, establishing a New Year's resolution for yourself? Uh, do you t- intend to hold yourself accountable for something or another? And maybe it's not even for yourself. Maybe it's something for your school. Maybe it's something for your community. Maybe it's something for... Uh, your family, do you have a resolution? Are you going to set it? Or do you just kind of uh, kick those things to the curb anymore? I've tried to do it through the years. Some years have been more successful than others. Uh, sometimes people uh, make that first resolution of the new year, and uh, and they stick with it for a good month or two months, even into the spring, and then it sorts to, kind of sort, sort of goes by the wayside. Others a lot sooner than that. And others, no. They just uh, can't trust themselves. So they don't bother. I did not bother last year. And I didn't have a great year with respect to health and that sort of thing. I mean, I was healthy. I didn't, I didn't end up in the hospital or anything. But uh, uh, I'm doing what so many other people do, pledging to lose some weight, get healthier, get a little bit better cardio. Uh, just treat yourself a little bit better. So if you have a plan for the new year you'd like to share with others and maybe hold yourself accountable or give others ideas, uh, by all means, we'll take your calls, 216-901-0945. I do have a breaking news story, though, before we go to the phones and do anything else. The Idaho college student murders that have been just, I don't know, cold cased almost for a couple of months now, it seems. I don't know exactly how many weeks it has been. 
Um, but the you know the lack of news that the police have been able to report about the search for a killer or killers um, has been just startling. Uh, four college students stabbed repeatedly as they slept uh, in their off-campus house in Idaho, in Moscow, Idaho. And uh, it just seemed like there was there was no leads whatsoever. There were no leads whatsoever. So this this literally five minutes ago uh, dropped on Fox News, and it's shocking. A suspect is now in custody. I was just expecting piecemeal news that we're getting closer. We have this, we have that, we know what we're looking for, blah, blah, blah. But now, according to this report, quote, authorities have a, a suspect in custody in the November 13th murders of four University of Idaho students, a law enforcement source told Fox News Digital. Ethan Chapin, 20, Zana Kernodal, 20, Kaylee Concavs, 21, and Madison Mogan, 21, were all stabbed to death in the early morning hours of their rental home just yards from campus. The mysterious killings initially baffled investigators, as they've noted, and left the small college town of 25,000 deeply shaken. The four students were each stabbed multiple times in the torso and likely ambushed in their sleep with a large fixed-blade knife between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m., according to the coroner and police. Two surviving female roommates who lived on the basement level appeared to have slept through the gruesome attacks. Shortly before noon... The roommates summoned friends to the house because they believed one of the victims on the second floor had just passed out. There's some some of the stuff you just can't understand. I mean, I would imagine the amount of blood there to think somebody passed out is hard, but that's what it says. Police responded to a 911 call reporting an unconscious person at 11.58 a.m. that originated from one of the surviving roommates' phones. The responding officers found the four butchered victims on the second and third floors. Moscow Police Department released a detailed timeline of the victims' movements in the hours before and after the massacre. Concavs and Mogan went to a bar downtown before ordering food from a grub truck at around 1.40 a.m. The women used a third-party driver and were home by 1.56 a.m., according to police. Kernodal and her boyfriend Chapin went to a party and returned to the King Road home at 1.45 a.m. The Moscow Police Department, working with the FBI and the Idaho State Police, said the attacks were definitely targeted. This was not random. Investigators had focused on tracking down the occupants of a white Hyundai Elantra that was spotted near the home at the time of the murders. Um, the rest of this is background on the victims. I don't want to get to get into all of that except just to say, as I noted, the breaking news here is that they have a suspect in custody after, what, now six weeks, roughly six weeks of, you know, reports that say we kind of don't know where we are. We don't have a ton to report here. There's, uh, you know, I want to say the case has gone cold, but it certainly wasn't something that they were uh, close to solving. And then, boom, out of nowhere, the uh, suspect is in custody or a suspect is in custody. So we'll give you updates on that uh, as the news breaks and more information is learned on AM 1420. The answer top and, the hour, top and bottom of the hour news, of course, we'll have it for you. And if it happens during this show and this afternoon when I'm doing Gorka's show, I will make sure to give you all of the information that we have. Okay. Um, <clears throat> wow. We're about to get into uh, Initialville here. <laughs> Look at all the callers on the on hold right now. And everybody's got initials. I got BJ, I got AC, I got TJ. Anybody have regular old names anymore? BJ in North Olmstead is going to be first, initial time. BJ, Happy New Year, kind of, sort of. Happy I'm New Year to you. Happy yes, New sir. Year to you, Bob. Thank By you. the way, my birth name is Basil also, B-A-S-I-L, but I use BJ because I used it in business years ago. 
I, well, that's I'd like to thank, I use I use basil in recipes, but uh, anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank you for the year you've had on radio, and as as pessimistic as we've been about twenty twenty uh, this present year, twenty twenty three is going to be the awakening year. There's going to be many many things that are going to be changing that you're going to be commenting on. Mm-hmm. That's going to have a major effect on not only America but the world population. But I'd like to remind you of something briefly. A couple years ago, there was a Republican Party meeting on Canterbury Road uh, by a little bar room, and you were standing there. You walked in the room, and I introduced myself, and I said to you, Robert, you're going to be a warrior. You said, no, 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 not a... You have been a true warrior about the truth, about what's going on in America and awakening. But I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you, and I appreciate all that you've done. And I, as a resolution, hope to be as grateful as I've been for the wonderful experience I've had living 92 years, experiencing the things I have, knowing the people I have, and having a wonderful family. I'm grateful for that. And I wish peace and more awareness for the American people. And I love this country. I love its people. And I'm grateful for the gift of life. And thank you, and God bless all you. Your listeners and your family too. Thank, thank you, BJ, and I know you do. I know you love all of the people and all of the and the entire country as well. I remember meeting BJ by the way at that time he's talking about, and I remember being stunned at how vital he was. And at the time, he might have been eighty-eight or so. If he's ninety-two now, it's been a bit. Um, but I remember how vital and uh, and and how strong he sounds even when he calls the radio at ninety-two. It's it's incredible. To your point about me being a warrior, I'm still going to disagree, and I'm going to tell you why. What I what I see myself as is more of a fire alarm um, that calls warriors into action. The first responders being the warriors, right? The fire, the you know, the firemen, firefighters, the police officers, and so on and so forth. I mean, I'm the one who just screams "woo woo woo." Uh, here's an alarm, and I'm not going to do an alarm sound. Don't even try it. But I'm the one who makes the alarm sound and tells everybody what's going on and what dangers are out there. And then the warriors leap into action. So that's you know I mean I mean that very sincerely. I um, I, I just have a, would have a hard time seeing myself now. Is there a culture war going on? Yeah. Uh, are we doing everything we can to fight the culture war with words? Yeah. That's why I talk about Doctor uh, Everett Piper. I call him the general of our culture war army. So I suppose the I suppose the um, you know the language and the uh, and the uh, uh, analogy to warriors. I guess it can't apply if I'm going to do that with Dr. Piper. But I just feel like I'm talking the talk. I need other people to walk the walk. I need other people to come to and uh, and and fight for us. <clears throat> and those are people who run for office. So those are people who become activists and influence people who are in office, who push to for the passage of important legislation that's that uh, you know that saves us and kills legislation that can harm us. You know, those are the those are the real warriors, the ones that are out there on the front lines doing that. I'm just sounding the alarm. That's kind of how I feel. But BJ, I do appreciate your uh, support of this program and what I do. TJ's next. Hey, TJ, you're on AM 1420. The answer. Go right ahead. Yeah, happy New Year, Bob. Same to you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, before I make my point, Bob, I got to say with BJ, I love the guy dearly, and I agree with everything he says, except one thing: he loves everybody. I don't. I don't even like most of the people I know, but. <laughs> But that being said, you know, at the top of the news hour about the electric cars dropping 41% power already at uh, 20 degrees, Yeah, I would have liked to have seen what the power drop was last week when the temperature was zero. 
Now, think about this, Bob. You know, most people don't have heated garages. You go out in your cars and case the ice. You start it up. You warm it up for 15 minutes or so, thaw all the ice. Now, if it's zero and you got an electric car and you go out there and warm it up, my God, before you can drive out of the driveway, you got to recharge it again. <laughs> yeah, anybody that buys a, an electric car as a primary vehicle, not if you've got a lot of money and you can buy one as a toy, but you're yeah, primary. Yeah, a toy. Right, right, right. Right. Anybody that does that, in the famous words of Bugs Bunny, what am I ruined? You know, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, it's insane, but I think people are starting to see this. And, you know, when they showed a traffic jam, I remember on the Internet there in Buffalo, you know, just stalled. Yeah, oh, yeah, the, the, a lot of people lost their lives stuck in, uh, in yeah. their cars, yeah. But the caption said, how do you like your electric vehicle now? I mean, you're stuck there, and this battery is just about dead. And you know it's going dead. At least one thing with my my gas uh, thing, I can still keep it warm. If I got a full tank of gas, I can sit there for a day, you know, yeah. and keep warm. But yeah, so. no, no, you no, you're right. And you know, there are some things. Um, and and like you said, if you're buying an EV as a toy or as just kind of a curiosity or whatever, and you have the money to do that, that's fine. But if it's your primary and you're looking forward to using it to, you know, nobody ever thinks that my car can save my life, but it can. And if you're using it in that way, you might be in for a rude awakening. Um, having said that, I certainly don't, uh, you know, cast any aspersions at anybody who's driving one who lost their lives uh, in, in 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 the horrific blizzard of of buffalo um because obviously it's a terrible thing but but i hope people do look and see the mistakes of others and learn from them so that they don't repeat them themselves yeah and you know bob real quick on the other end when the temperature is 100 degrees and you're running air conditioning the same thing that lower yep that kills it batteries are getting drained almost immediately anything that you use you know your radio it's draining on that battery or, or your air conditioning like you said it's draining on that battery any kind of extras that you do that you plug into there uh you know if you use the usb ports and everything else it lowers your battery life and thus your miles driven um whereas and then of course as you know if you get down to e you know you pull off the next exit ramp and fill her up and in five minutes you're on your way they get down to e they better camp out for an hour and a half because uh uh, if there happens to be a charging port nearby, it's going to take them that long to be able to get back on the road again. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, me being a smoker, I wouldn't even be able to use the cigarette lighter because every time I'd push that thing in, I'd be losing 2% of my battery power. Uh, T- <laughs> hey, TJ, I appreciate the call, my friend. Happy New Year to you, too. Uh, by the way, make a resolution for New Year's, uh, TJ. Stop smoking. Stop smoking. Just don't do it. No, it's probably hard. And no, not probably. Of course it is. It's one of the biggest things people talk about for generations, about how difficult it is. But I wish you good health. So in that vein, stop smoking. Uh, and you can tell me stop eating pizza so much and we'll be even. AC in Cleveland. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. AC, good morning. Go ahead, sir. Happy New Year, Bob. Happy New Year to you, too. I'm going to explain why BJ, TJ, and myself all use two call letters. Okay. It helps keep us under the radar. Just right. like those just like those British bombers that were made out of plywood, the mosquito bombers, they got under the radar, and that's why we were so, so we're sort of alike. And I'm going to pray for TJ that he that he can quit smoking. You really, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm yeah. Gonna pray well, like for him. I said, and I I'm I'm no one to judge anybody. I might not drink and I might not smoke, but I do other things that are not healthy. I eat too much and eat too much bad stuff, too many carbohydrates too. So I'm not trying to make myself better no, than anybody. No. But I do oh, wish good health for 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 everybody. Yeah, and but I that do would too. Include that. I do yeah. too because he's a Vietnam vet and I respect yep. him. So anyway, two quick things. First of all, uh, 
Southwest has uh, I thought of a possible advertising promo for them, okay? How about Fly Southwest? We make you feel like you never left the ground. <laughs> I'll never understand that. I still don't. I was talking to somebody yesterday and saying, what's the explanation for their, uh, you know, their inability to, to, to get off the ground? I mean, I know the weather forced cancellations of all airlines back last Friday a week ago when the deep freeze really hit and it may have extended it into a, into a Saturday a little bit. But Northwest, as of yesterday, canceled 2,600. I mean, sorry, Southwest canceled yeah. 2,600 flights. I, I still don't understand what their problem is why are they not able to get off the ground and all the other ones were i still don't know the answer well maybe they have more problems than scheduling maybe they've got maintenance problems who knows i don't know know. i i just i just know that if i was a passenger and i was trying to get somewhere for christmas or trying to get back from somewhere after christmas and i had southwest tickets right now holy goodness i cannot imagine how long the lines are outside of lawyers offices right now ready to file suit against that company for uh for their just disastrous mismanage of their uh, uh of their flight schedule and by the way uh little mayor pete uh, Secretary Pete Booty Judge, uh, the Secretary of Transportation, has no earthly idea whatsoever to do about this or anything else. So then we've got that to add on to the pile. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, uh, one, yes. other, one other quick thing here. I'm, the question, you might be able to confirm or unconfirm this. I heard on another talk show a caller called in and said that at Marilago there was a party celebrating the Disrespect of Marriage Act. Did you hear any such thing? I did not, actually. Okay, all right. Uh, I'm trying to confirm. And it was at Mar-a-Lago, you said? That's what you heard? Yes, yes, that's yeah. what this caller said, and he said yeah. that it was, uh, but, I, you know, I hope it's not the case. Me too. Um, I doubt it. There, well, there, there's so much fake news out there uh, with yeah, anything yeah. having to do. Let's not say all of it is, but, uh, you know, what they're doing right. with uh, what they're doing to Trump right now with the taxes that they have, his tax returns that they're having a field day with, it's, uh, you know, it's just more and more of the political assassination and hit job of the guy. I hope there isn't any truth to that, but if uh, right. we, I we learn too. one way or the other, I will, I will certainly report it. Okay. All right. Sounds AC, good. thank you, my friend. Stay under the radar. That's uh, AC. You got it, buddy. Uh, Happy New Year to you. 1126, right back on Always Right Radio, AM 1420 The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare simple. You know, as um, as we put the uh, the wraps on this calendar year of 2022 today, our last broadcast, now our last segment uh, of the year, not counting my show this afternoon for Dr. Gorka. Uh, I want to say a sincere thank you. Give a sincere thank you to. Um, uh, Karam Hezruni, uh, the owner of the Floor King, and to Mark King, uh, the owner of Keeping Medicare Simple. You just heard that that uh, reminder. That's the reason we're a three-hour show now. And I don't count the last segment that we hand over to Bill O'Reilly to take us to the top of the hour. But uh, it used to be a 9 to 11 show. Now it's a 9 to noon show for all intents and purposes. And that's because of the support, the loyalty, the sponsorship, the partnership, and the friendship 
that I have with my pair of kings, the Floor King and Mark King. And I want to thank them both for bringing, being there for me and for all of us all year long to bring you this extra hour. We've had a lot of tremendous radio done in that third hour. Now that we have a little bit more flexibility, we can put a few more people on that we couldn't get committed. Uh, in the uh, first two hours. So I just want to say thank you to them and to all of my sponsors uh, for helping us have another tremendous, successful year of radio. The year gone by, as I've noted, is uh, negative for a ton of reasons. It's one of the worst years on record uh, because of all of the things that you know we've, we've discussed. Um, but from a professional standpoint, from a standpoint of this radio program, we grew by a third as a result of uh, the support of those sponsors, and um, I feel like we're doing some of the some of the best work that I've ever done in 25 years on the air now, in terms of impact, in terms of information, education, and the uh, the, the merging of that with entertainment. I feel like this is, is getting bigger and better, and I'm looking forward to year nine with uh, Salem this coming year, uh, not only on this program, but uh, doing more and more of the national programs for Hugh and for Dennis Prager and for Dr. G and for Brandon Tatum. And I'm just very, very blessed to be doing all of these things, and I'm very, very blessed to have you be a part of it. So if you're a casual listener, thank you. If you are a dedicated listener, thank you even more. I really appreciate it, and I hope we grow bigger and better in 2023. And that's my intention. Joe is in Westlake. Uh, Joe, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you. Go right ahead, sir. Happy New Year, Bob. Thanks for your fantastic work. Thanks to the Floor King. Uh, We've got a lot of patriots who are out of shape, who are stressed out, and who are uh, a little low on the job pay scale. And here are three resolutions to address that. Uh, And this has worked for me for the past few months. Number one, rather than counting calories, Eat more vegetable fiber and eat more meat, especially at lunch. That will reduce hunger. Number two, uh, stop eating after 5. Put down your smartphones at 8 p.m. and experiment with sleeping naked. That's going to help you sleep better. That's going to reduce. (laughs) I get a little personal here now. Sleeping naked, that sounds like the most uncomfortable thing in the world. It, it's the number one thing that improves sleep quality because it, really? it helps with, yes, it helps with temperature regulation during sleep. Try it out. Try experimenting with blankets. Try experimenting now, now, hold, with now hold on, hold on, hold on a second, my friend. You sound like you're speaking from a position of authority. Are you uh, are you in the medical field or or what are you basing all this on? <clears throat> I'm I'm not in the well. I'm I'm an IT consultant and I I do do uh, you know health uh, IT consulting. Okay, but there is a. There's a local doctor who uh, is a longtime sleep specialist. His name, uh, it, I can't remember his name right now, but basically he gives seminars on this. And sleeping naked and not eating after five are two of his top things. And it, it yeah, works. Well, the, the, the not eating after a certain time, I've heard many times, uh, and it's kind of called intermittent fasting, where you, you basically take your evening hours and your sleep hours and do not eat, and then don't eat a breakfast either until, you know, you can do like 12 or 14 or 16 hour sleep or uh, food, uh, uh, in, you know, uh, periods in which you're fasting. Uh, I've heard that. Uh, but the sleep one, I got to tell you, if I'm, if, cause I'm, I'm a tosser, man. I'm a tosser. If I'm wearing short sleeves and the room is too cold, I am miserable. I gotta go put on long sleeves. And if I put on long sleeves and I'm too hot, uh, I gotta go put on short sleeves. I can't imagine staying covered enough when I toss and turn. If I'm naked, I'm gonna be freezing. <laughs> the way you do it, you, you use extra large blankets with multiple layers. And your, yeah. your body adjusts, 
it, it adjusts its temperature regulation. And if you if you do this, sleep is the foundation of losing weight, of having lower stress, and of being able to exercise. Well, of all of so those things, I don't doubt any of them as far as sleep being important there. But I'm, I'm tell you what, man, I'm not comfortable at all with the idea of sleeping that way. Uh, but I'm with you on the meat. I'm with you on the, uh, the the eating healthier at lunchtime and the whole nine yards with it, my friend. But listen, what I really am with is the fact that you felt compelled to call and give people some advice on how to do this. Because it's not easy when you make New Year's resolutions to lose weight, exercise, this, that, and the other thing. People sometimes just need help. They need a little lift from somebody who's got an idea on a way to do do it, and I love the fact that you felt compelled to call in and help people with that, uh, you know, with uh, with some suggestions on that. So that's really that's really appreciated. Thanks, thanks, Bob. Uh, if, by meeting weekly, social support helps a lot. It also helps out with exercise. These gym rats, it's a social thing. They have oh, friends I know. at the gym. Yeah, when I used to be one, it's very true. I mean, you, these become like almost, you know, your best friends, you know, your brothers. It's like some people, you know, meet to play cards once a week. Some people meet to, you know, for coffee or for lunch or whatever. The gym guys, man, they do. They meet there and it's regular if it's three times a week or five times a week or whatever. It is very, very good. The, in fact, of all of the suggestions you just made, I'm going to go so far as to say that's the most important is to find a workout partner. Whether it's somebody to walk with, if that's your workout is walking and doing 10,000 steps or something, or whether it's actually hitting the weights and that kind of thing at the local gym, find a workout partner because when you have somebody else holding you accountable in addition to yourself, it is that much uh, more effective. So I think that might be the best piece of advice of the entire thing. Thank you, Bob, and thanks. thank you, Patriot listeners. Please connect with each other. Please work to take back our country by building your own business and strength. Have a happy new year. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. Appreciate that. That's a great call to end the program on today and to end the, uh, the, uh, the calendar year, really, as somebody looking out for other people. In fact, I'm, I, that, I don't want to preach. And I don't want to go overboard here and say this was, you know, a divine intervention. I'm not going to go there. I'm not saying this was, you know, uh, uh, necessarily God reaching down to the phone calls. But, but I mean, seriously, could you imagine a better way to end a conversation in which we've talked about how bad 2022 was and how much we're looking forward to a fresh start in 2023? Can you imagine a better phone call to end the show than that? I'm not saying it's Providence, but I'll tell you what, man, that's perfect, and I'm not going to mess with it. I'm going to let his words be the last words uh, from any caller on this program. Somebody reaching out to try to help others reach their fitness goals and their health goals to have a better 2023 than we had in 2022 is a great way to end it. also want to say this to, the, to end the program. Thank you to my team, Johnny Hiles, back in the chair, Josh Booth when Johnny Hiles was not, Mary Ann answering our phone calls, Marcy doing just a little bit of everything. You guys are a tremendous team. Uh, thanks to all of my sponsors, as I said before, and thanks to you. You make it all go as listeners and callers. Thank you for a great year. Thank you for a great eight years. And I look forward to year number nine, starting with you on Tuesday with the next live show. We are in best of mode on Monday and live on Tuesday, January th- January 3rd. Thanks, everyone. Be well. Be safe. Stay free. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.